Welcome to NAFAM, the podcast. Welcome. Another episode. Another episode. Perhaps. Perhaps. So how are you doing today? Oh, depends on what time of day you have. <laughs> it's been a hard day in the world of parenting, as you know. Yeah, that happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. But this too shall pass. <laughs> and, Good one. you know, I think... Uh, we need to recognize, again, it goes back to what we can control. And as parents, it doesn't matter what age our kids are at, I think. Uh, um, I'm going to work on sure. not saying I think quite as much. Because obviously if I'm saying it, it's because I think it. It's really hard for me because mm-hmm. I te- I catch myself all the time saying that. Well, it's like a superstitious thing. Maybe you don't want to make it. It is. Oh, it, it totally is. Proclaim it as gospel truth. And then, you know, so yes. it's like, at least that's why I do it. No, it is, but I mentioned that earlier in one of our first episodes that I, I noticed myself doing it, and I just can't stop. And it's like now I, I hopefully it doesn't stand out as much to other people as it does to me because mm. it drives me crazy when I've listened back and I'm like, God. Yeah, I don't notice that, I don't think. Well, that's good. I that's don't good. Think. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, uh, I think when it, when it comes to raising kids, no matter whether they are two years old or five years old or, you know, 18 years old, 17 Mm -hmm. years old. Mm -hmm. The worry part of that, I don't know if that ever changes. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure it doesn't change. I, I, yeah, I can't imagine that it changes. I mean, I'm, I hear it gets worse. So it's one of those things, you know, um, I, I know I feel like, I was just saying this to somebody else this week that early in my parenthood, somebody had mentioned that, you know, being a parent is learning what it's like to live with your heart on the outside of your body at all times. And that always really resonated with me. I'm like, oh yeah, that's how that feels. Yes. Mm -hmm. I I think that captures it. Um, And I was telling that person or not that person, another person about that this week when I was talking about my own worries as a parent and thinking about that idea and how like I I gotta like you gotta get like a teenagehood is when you really gotta like that's Mm -hmm. not gonna work for you anymore because you uh, you know before it's like I drop my heart off at this place and then I go pick my heart up when I need to and with this now with teenagers that you don't know where your heart's at you don't know what the hell it's doing where it's at who's doing what with it like (laughs) So it's, it's, it's it's giving space to be hurt, upset, you know, happy experience what you need to experience, but also to not take on the extra burden of all of that worry and uncertainty that you can't control. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking two things right now. One, I'm thinking not to bring everything back to step families, but I do think that it adds an additional layer because trying to instill values into your child is hard enough. Um, but then when they're going between households and maybe the same messages aren't reinforced, that gets, that makes it really hard. Um, even if it's just to varying degrees, of what's enforced. It could yes. be the same message, but maybe yeah. not as strong or something else. And Right. And just, I mean, I can just, just exactly. Or just the fact that you're just don't have, they go here and, you know, it, there's just less um, um, accountability to your parent, right? Because, oh, I get to go escape for two days. Yeah. I don't need to worry about what you're going to say about this homework assignment yep. or whatever. Um, I might have to deal with it for a few hours tonight, but yeah. I get the next two days off yeah. from that. Yes. And you know, and that parent feels like, well, you already dealt with it. What am I going to do? Bring it up again? And then, you know, and, and it's an easy out from that standpoint. Yeah, maybe. And then maybe sometimes some parents don't value that. So then it right. just totally goes by the wayside. Um, not specifically that value, but anything related to yeah. something you, in value you want to instill in your child. Um, and then the other thing I was thinking about that, you just saying that idea of giving that space, you know, it just brings up this idea of helicopter parenting. I feel like you're like, we are uniquely, so 
Yesterday we had talked about that generational theory mm-hmm. stuff, and I'm about five hours into this 23-hour Audible book, and they brought up this concept today, which I guess, again, presenting things in a cyclical nature, helicopter, helicopter parenting is actually not a new concept. It's just back. Right. And so I was... So, and it's natural, like it's natural that our, cause our generation, this idea that Gen X was sort of this neglected generation is raising, um, they call it the homeland generation. It's also referred, what are they? Gen Z? Is that what we're calling them now? Um, that our generation has gotten a lot more helicoptery with the, with these, with that cohort and that they're going to, they're going to go ahead. It's just this idea of ebb and flow. So now they're going to go ahead. The prediction is, is they're going to really be adamant about loosening the grip on your kid and more mm-hmm. free range and I know, I know that there's talk about that now but it, there's talk about it but it's also not happening much you know what i mean yeah so i thought that was interesting um this idea that yeah well i know uh, i know for me and that's i can relate to the ages that our kids are at now it, i mean katie's a little bit younger but the boys the the ages that they are being that age and wanting to get out from what I felt was, you know, my parents' thumb. The scrutiny, the constant control, the, you know, you need to do this. And I know we grew up very differently. Yeah, because I didn't want to leave my house. Yeah, <laughs> I had we the were, kind of house that was and too I was comfortable like, to I leave. Need, I, need, I need some space and some freedom here. <laughs> and a lot of that was, I mean, that's just an age thing and, and an immaturity thing. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there's some truth to it. But at the same yeah. time, it's also like, okay, but when you're that age, you are in a place where it, it's just natural. Yeah. It's you, you're moving on to the next step of, you know, um, adulthood. Yeah. You're getting close to that point. You're not quite ready for it yet mm-hmm. in a lot of cases, but at the mm-hmm. same time, it's, there's that push. So it's a natural state to want to say, I want my own, ind- you know, some independence, at least at that point. Yeah. Well, yes. And then there's all, like, as a parent, you're like, wait a minute, you're almost an adult. Why aren't you more independent? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and also, you know, bringing up you know again these these um time frames that define these generations are obviously not precise you know they're sort of guideposts but because like i just think about like gen x for example i keep saying that we're part of gen x we are at the tail end of it you mm-hmm. know it, it ended in 81 we were both born in 78 it was born at the end of 78 i always i'm always generally i'm pretty adamant though that i'm a gen xer because my brothers were all much older than me and so I feel like and my parents were informed by you know they were they fell in that where they fell so I always really identify as like no I'm like all the way gen x in a way like if I had whereas I have some friends that were born in 78 that were the oldest in their sib group and their siblings were much younger and then their parents were younger. So you could arguably say that they were much more influenced by Gen right. or I mean the millennial generation. So, you know, I mean, we, yeah, it's, I just find that that's always interesting too. Yeah, no, it is interesting. And it's, like I said, I have, I think over, I, over time I've learned, like I, I just thought as the kids get older, things get easier. You know, and you go through these periods where well, maybe, they, people always say, tell you that it doesn't, and they tell you it doesn't. But then you go through periods, maybe where maybe it's just a year or two, and you're like, <clears throat> "Oh, this is easier." Mm-hmm. And then you hit another milestone with something, mm-hmm. and then where things maybe certain things matter more than they did in the prior mm-hmm. couple of years. When you're in middle school, okay, maybe your grades aren't as important, or maybe your you know the things that you do outside of school aren't as important. And now, you know, with two juniors in high school where they're starting to plan for their futures, it's like, okay, this is starting to get real now. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so now it matters. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like you have to get back on that. And I remember, I don't remember who we had the conversation with. At one point in time, somebody had said it. Anyway, it's like, you can't get on that roller coaster. You know, dealing with teenagers and the roller coaster that they are on. Well, yeah, and you can't really do that in general in life. It was actually one of... um, one of it was Christopher's sixth grade teacher, and he actually okay. yeah because there's a lot of you know he talked about that's that apparently that's a year according to those who work in education where they really see the drama come on with mm-hmm. the kids and 
then they also the the subsequent parent parental freak outs like what my kids you know so upset all the time um and he had just said it orientation it was sixth grade yeah sixth grade he that was the first thing he said he I remember he said my mother-in-law is a school counselor and she advised me <laughs> as a teacher going into sixth grade that sixth graders ride roller coasters and don't get on that roller coaster with them. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, because mm-hmm. I noticed myself getting on a couple of roller coasters. And then it and then it was like it was done. And I was like, why did I get on that with you? Like, it's really right. it was that short. Like, why did I even get on with you? Yeah. You waste like I should have just, you know, <laughs> yeah. you've got a, you've got an issue with that friend. And then two days later, you're best friends again. And it's like, yeah, oh, wow. Yeah. I just <laughs> the end of what's the end of the world. One day is not the next. Yeah. Right. And you're right about that because that does carry through, um, uh, you know, whether it's professional or personal relationships. I mean, you see that come up mm-hmm. all the time. And, mm-hmm. You know, again, I work with people that have people reporting to them. So there's a, a you know, that bigger group as it gets bigger. And it's so easy to get caught up in that. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, this happened in the, the, I don't want to call it the gossip part of that, but the drama behind something. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, we just have to address it and, and this is what we're going to do. But mm-hmm. you can't get all worked up about that. You right. have to kind of stay as a manager in this neutral position and figure out how to navigate it. It's Absolutely. difficult, but yeah. once you get on it, I mean, you yeah. start making decisions that are not rational. And Yeah. Well, I think it's this, um, actually Glennon Doyle, who's one of my favorite authors, self-help people, whatever. Um, she talks about this idea of when she first went through her divorce and she noticed herself and she's, she's, she's more like my personality type. I'd say that we're pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> highly emotional. And her, and her partner is. Yeah. Really similar. Much to you. When we listen to them, it's like, like Oh my God, this is weird. We could be best friends with them. But and they don't even know it. <laughs> um, but anyway, she actually she said that I think she said that she she was getting really just she found herself riding. She didn't use these words, but basically riding the roller coasters of her children, she, you know, guiding them through that first initials um, months and weeks and maybe even a couple of years after the her divorce and um, just really being highly attuned to their emotions and just overly like, you know, they're freaking out. She's freaking out. But she said that she called her good friend and also great author, Elizabeth Gilbert. And Elizabeth Gilbert had said to her, um, when you're on an airplane, in the plane, when there's turbulence on the plane, who do you look to for reassurance about whether or not you should be freaking out about this or panicking? And, you know, it was the flight attendants. And it's like, if the flight attendant's face is calm, we all know oh, this isn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. I don't need to worry about this. We'll get through this. But if they're freaking out, then we freak out, right? right. We all we're re- so your kids are also looking to you and look you're reading where you're at. So yes, there's a storm post divorce, you know, in that example that she was talking about. But you don't need to freak out with them. Like be that steady, yeah, presence. It's going that to be a place okay. of safety for them, right? It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, life is not over and yeah. it's a new chapter, but yeah, yeah I, I think that's it's hard incredibly to do, Im- I, I think that's probably easier for you, harder for me, you know, with our respective personality types. Oh, yeah. I'm more inclined to like, what's wrong? What? Right. <laughs> like, and you're, you're more inclined. So that's, and, and th- there's a strength of mine and, and a weakness at the same time. It's yeah. also my Achilles heel and same for you. It's like, nothing sometimes you think nothing's a problem no that's true and i and i even for me i can't i get caught up in that cycle sometimes and i'm like i might even share something with you and it's like at that point you might say something or i'll even be like this is really stupid Mm -hmm. like what i'm what i'm sharing with you and like oh this happened this it's like this story doesn't have a a point to it because when it Mm -hmm. comes full circle and you get to the end the whole thing that was an issue wasn't an issue mm. or, or wasn't a relevant thing that changes anything. Okay. You know what I mean? Not really. I'm not sure what you're saying. What I'm saying is I've, like you said, we're very different in that way where I'll usually sit back and say, let's, you know, let this thing play out. We'll see where it goes. Everything at the end of the day is going to be fine. Uh-huh. 
But I even, with my personality, being in that position, there's a lot of times where I get wrapped up in little drama stuff. Oh, you do? Yeah. I, that, that's what yeah. I'm talking about. That yeah. even for me, I'm not immune to that. I still yeah. get caught up in that. Yeah. Well, I And mean, usually it's even the, the, the things that I get caught up in are the... The stupidest thing. I know. That's that what annoys I'm like, I'm actually concerned about important things here, and you're doing right. this catty gossip crap. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're concerned about important things, but what you're concerned about is what I'm like, I don't think that's a concern. <clears throat> mm-hmm. the, I, the thing you're concerned about is a real thing if it was really occurring that way, but mm-hmm. I, I'm like, I don't, mm-hmm. I think Sometimes. you're, yeah. Do you remember, um, it was so long ago, was it like, Four or five years ago now, one of your children was watching. I don't even know who told him about it or how he stumbled across it, but he had this SNL skin where he was like, Emory, come here, you guys see this, you guys see this. This is totally dad. This is dad. Look, look, look. And it was this skit about this dad. I wish I could find it. This dad. I know which one you're talking on this, about. Uh, it was a skit. I don't even remember the the characters or this the cast that was no, playing. No, I don't it. remember either. But. but this dad was like coming into this bedroom and his kids were like teenagers and they're sleeping in bunks and I don't even remember the story, but basically he was like, hey, kids, are you ready to go to, you know, Disney World or something? Or And the kids were like, okay, dad. And, and so it was something along the lines of like, you know, mom moved out five years ago, dad, you're not married anymore. He's like, oh, I don't, I don't, I mean, she'll be back, like totally right. aloof and so clueless. Aloof like and, yes. all the kids were like, okay, dad, like the marriage is <laughs> over. And he's just like, oh, no, no, no. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I just, I just went up to you afterwards. I'm like, okay, Jim. Like, it's fine, but you always try to deny that you're aloof. And even your children are picking up on this. And, like, I didn't show him that video. I don't know where he found it, but he saw it. And he was like, that's my dad. (laughs) We all have our strengths and our weaknesses. We do. do. And that is a huge weakness of mine, which sometimes is a strength. But at the same time, it's, yeah, I I have to check myself a lot with that. Yeah. And obviously, um, then the kids have a lot to complain about. With me too, getting overly worked up about things yeah. or, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think finding that balance, I mean, I, I, I know there are some people that do that really well, but I think that that balance is a tough thing to achieve. And like you said, I mean, I don't want to say we're so unique with having a blended family, but when there are these outside influences and, you know, even the issue that we dealt with tonight. I'm like, it's hard for me to step into this role and do this thing um, because I'm not, you know, I'm not oh, the dad. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. So, so yeah. But like, I was nice because actually, um, you know, your ex called me. He's like, hey, what's going on? So, and. Uh, <laughs> okay. No. Okay, my, I feel like we're being really cryptic here. Christopher oh, and it was I, just a it was just a homework situation. And I got heated over grades, yeah, yeah, and yeah, and studying, and yes, and I it's did. A I just didn't want to, yeah. And yeah, it's hard for me because, uh, you know, I I get escalated, you know, and um, I feel it does get tricky because it's like I want another parent to step in right now and like do this with me and it feels so alone and like I get it your role like you're like how am I supposed I'm his stepdad right I, I can sit down with him and work on the the, the school work and be like you got to do this and you're going to be accountable and this is the way it works but mm-hmm. it's like beyond that I mean it's, yeah. it's very tricky and but like I said I talked to your ex and you know he's like okay I'm going to call Christopher and I'm going to tell him like this is this is what he's got to do and you know it it, it just it's as good of a relationship as I have. It's just that, and I, it's the same thing for you. The yeah. other way, it's like yeah. you can, you can be there and you can be supportive. And you can do all these things, but I mentioned it before. You know, when it comes to like discipline and stuff like that, it's it's very difficult. You can be almost in a, in a grandparent role of discipline, yeah, or something like that. But yeah. to be in an actual parent role, you mm-hmm. you just you have it's tricky. It's very yeah, tricky. especially as they're as they age, right? Like when they're little, right. it's easier to be like, "That's inappropriate." I'm taking your yeah. electronics. Knock away. it off. We're not doing yeah, that. Yeah, but definitely in adolescence, the role of step parent really kind of transforms and mm-hmm. gets really complicated yeah. and tricky. And yeah. I didn't mean to be so cryptic about it. I just, <clears throat> it was your thing to share if you wanted to. So yeah. I just kind of felt yeah, like, yeah. well, I no, don't want to, you know. know. I appreciate it. Oh, I, okay. I just wanted to clarify it because it was Yeah, like, I know. Okay, it sounded like, oh my me. God, what's going on over there? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, 
Yeah. So you said something you were, what, now I don't remember. I feel like there was something I wanted to say about something you said. But, hmm. Hmm. Well. Parenting's hard. Parenting is hard. <laughs> hopefully it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> no, I, and I, you know what? I, I, I look at. I had a friend one time that uh, I love this person. I love, you know, every once in a while you run into people in life and you're just like, yeah, we're this, we're cut from the same cloth. Um, was a neurotic parent, much like me (laughs) and just like very honest, like, God, you know what? If I had to do this all over again, I don't know that I would have done it because to love somebody that much and worry that much, like it's like forever. I know. It's like, oh, I made that decision. Now it's here forever. You know. Well, what I was just going to say is there are plenty of people that have opted not to have kids for whatever reason. Yeah. And I look at that and I'm like, I can't even imagine that life from the standpoint of the things that we worry about and that we have to focus on and everything else. Like. I wouldn't trade it, but I can mm-hmm. totally understand that other um, side of things where it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to live my life. I don't want to say for me, but like, I don't have, I don't want to take on that extra mm-hmm. burden because you're right. That is like, what is that? What is that to love somebody else so much that mm-hmm. you're going to mm-hmm. go? I mean, it's again, to have that feeling of your heart, another, a piece of your organ out on the outside of your body. Because, yeah. you know, um, I think that. I think that it's nice to have, to be in a position like, you know, it's, it's one thing to, to maybe have this like understanding of something and it's another to live it out. But to have this understanding of like our children are their own individual people that are meant to grow up in the world and be their own individual people. You know, when I was a kid, I always knew I was my own person, right? Like nothing ever said to me like, oh, I'm a, I don't think oh, I'm attached to my mom and my dad and I need to be what they want me to be and like do the things that they want me to do. But for some reason, when I had my own kids, it's almost like, oh, I can mold you into what you need to be. And then and then if they weren't molding the way yeah, I... Only you can't. Yeah, like if it wasn't like, oh, but I did this, why, isn't, why aren't you doing this? It's like, what am I doing wrong? I'd like, you find yourself blaming yourself as a yeah. parent. And then there's this like turning point where you're like, oh no, that's because they're their own individual person and they're meant to, you know, flourish into their own individual way. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, but, it, it's, but it's, all, it's also hard at the same time to think about, you know, you so badly just want to protect them from heartache and pain and mm-hmm. you can't, you know? Yeah, it's funny. I think that you see things in them that you look at and you kind of go, "Ooh, that had to be tough." Oh, that, that you know, if you're looking from afar and you see them interacting or something going on and you're just kind of like, "Oh, what's, you know, yeah. they're off over here. There's four other guys, you know, kids over here that are doing something. Are they, you know, what's going on? Is there, you know?" Yeah. And to worry about that and to look at <clears> it and then sometimes you'll, you know, we'll we'll ask the question after, "Hey, what was that about?" Like you were by yourself over there. "Oh, I was just doing this." And it's like, it, it. we put so much on ourselves and worry about so much stuff that, and that's where it comes down to where you're super tuned into. I'm not, I guess I'm not sure what you're saying. I know because I'm going back to what you kind of said before, but like what we, sometimes what we see as far as what we worry about and the things that we get worked up about mm-hmm. as parents, because it, it appears that something is a certain mm-hmm. way. When mm-hmm. we follow up on that, we realize that yeah, it wasn't a it's thing. It's called projection. Yeah. Um, yes. That's well, not all the time, but it, I think, it happens. <clears throat> I think that, at least for my kids, I'm pretty accurate about what's going on with them. I think that my problem is, again, that I want to protect them from any pain or heartache. You know, it's not, not it's not like I need to protect them from, like, hard work. Like, I, you know, like, I think discipline and hard work is really important. But any time... I worry about their sweet little hearts being broken, you know, just by being embarrassed or what being shy or low self-esteem or whatever. I think I do pick up on that. The problem is, is that then I want to go ahead and protect them from it or like, well, you let's talk about it, you know, and like, 
some things I didn't ever talk to any of my my parents about that stuff mm-hmm. and I felt all of those things and I felt them deeply and I think that's why I can't stomach my own kids going through it but I know that I got through it and I know that these are things that helped me grow into who I am today and I'm thankful for those experiences and I understand how essential they are for growth and development you know as a human being <clears throat> And yet, I also don't want them to go through it. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I I know that I got through it, but but you but there's like this thing where it's like, but maybe my kid won't get through it, which I know they will. But yeah. there's just this urge. There's, so, for me, there's this constant urge of like, oh, I gotta I gotta like I gotta get in on that. No, no, you know, like. <laughs> so you you and we probably have talked about this too, but whatever, we're gonna talk about it again. Okay. Because you just said growing up, like you didn't have that relationship with like your parents where you talked about those those types of things. No, I don't think and really anybody did I didn't, that I know I, of. No, I didn't either. And so I'm just... I think this is a new concept with this generation. <laughs> so I'm just curious for you. And again, again, I think it's part of Gen X over like feeling their neglect as their own children. So that's what, that's what generations do. They don't want to... They try to overcompensate for what they feel like they didn't have. So we're all like all over our kids, like, what's going on? How are you doing? What's up? Like, talk to me. I'm here for you. So I guess my question to you is, and again, we may have already talked about this, but um, when, when did, when did you start doing that? Like, like putting it out there, sharing that, like, because if you didn't have that at home, like you didn't talk about those things, Mm -hmm. you are always talking about those things with your Mm -hmm. kids. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even since I met you in our relationship and everything, if something's bothering you, you're like, I want to, let's address this like right away. And I know we did talk about this a little bit. I think I did in a way of like, you know, fighting with my brothers and like, you know, I don't know that I would be able to say, oh, mom, I'm really embarrassed about this thing that happened at school. It wasn't like that, but it's also like if I'm mad about something, I don't think that I could share vulnerable feelings, Okay. Okay. but I could share feelings. And, you know, I, again, I'm no, I think I was told a lot, like you put my foot in my mouth type of situation, you know? So, but I don't, I think that I think I just started talking about those things when the rest of the world started talking about those things. Like maybe 20 years ago, there was a real shift and like people okay. started, don't you think? Wouldn't you agree? Well, for me, I, <clears throat> that wasn't my story. I mean, I grew I up mean, and I know lots of people that grew up, it's like, we don't, we don't talk th- about the stuff. And so, so hold on really quick. I do, I guess I do want to say in general, like with my gr- best girlfriends and any boyfriends I had, I was an open book. Like I was very much like, let's talk about everything. Let's talk about everything to death. Let's talk about our feelings. Like I definitely, I think that's just always been mm-hmm. a part of who I am. Well, and that's, I'm asking this because honestly, one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast, even though I didn't want to do this podcast, but then, you know, I've enjoyed doing this with you is because there's some of those things that you've just naturally have this, you know, you, you, talk about your feelings you're an open book with me when it comes to that stuff yeah and you like you have to pry me open to get me to have that conversation and it's it's like there's something in me that's still like nope i'm protecting that i don't we don't do that like there's no we don't need to do that i remember i remember like dating you and like saying to you like what is your deepest darkest secret like seriously give me something (laughs) here and you were like what you see is what you get. And I'm like, no, <laughs> right. don't something I'm not else buying is it. going on I'm not there. buying it. Yeah. And, but it's, it's, that's the connection piece to it is tapping into it and being connected to that and, and actually recognizing what you're feeling and what you're experiencing enough to even be able to share it in the first place. Mm-hmm. But I feel I, I've for so long, I've been like, we don't, we don't need to go there. That's, that's not that mm-hmm. we don't need to open ourselves up. We don't need to be vulnerable and expose ourselves. And that's, so going back to this podcast, the idea is I, you know, I've been very open about some of these conversations. They annoy me. and I'm uncomfortable with them. Like I can't get the like right what? words. Like what? Well, the questions, you know, that, and then some of the other stuff, I don't remember some of the stuff we talked about. Um, um, I don't remember what was the, if something makes you, if there's things that have made you uncomfortable, uncomfortable as far as. Like, I don't mean uncomfortable, like I'm uncomfortable, I don't want to go here, but like you asking me questions and me feeling like I'm not answering these questions, I can't like, and then you're kind of grilling me on these questions and, you know. Oh, like you're not, like you're disappointing me with your answers? Yes. Like like that whole thing. And so it's like, well, that's really stupid to feel, to, to 
feel like I'm disappointed. Like who cares yeah, at the yeah, same time? Yeah. I and wish so, I had that problem. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then fast forwarding a little bit and we've had some, and I've, I've been open on at least one or two conversations, like the way we started out where I was like, I'm not feeling this today. And there's just something that feels off. Our, our energy between us is off. And then I think that might come across in the, you know, our podcast where it's like, and maybe it only comes across to me, but I'm guessing that's like, maybe somebody could pick up on that and be like, well, that was a little bit awkward. But mm. my point to that is like, but that's why I want to keep doing this because those, those, those conversations, I'm not good at those conversations where I feel like it, even if it's not a deep, dark secret, personal, just it's a reflection of me. It's a reflection of how I come across, how I sound, the way I answer a question. I want to be on point. I want to say things. And I catch myself not having the words for things in here and then feeling self-conscious about like, do well, I sound stupid to people? And I'm like... Well, I have that same issue too, don't you think? Well... Did you not think that? No, I think, you, <clears throat> I think you come across as a little bit more refined and confident. Really? No, I'd listen back and I'm like, oh God. <laughs> That so, was, so, what was so that was a nightmare. Maybe and, and my friends. Oh, I, one thing really quick is though. I mean, I will say like I understand that. I, I find it interesting. I have two girlfriends that I've recently we've been hanging out more and reconnecting, and they're from high school. There, we were best friends. We were a trio, and just having a good time texting and just like, oh my gosh, you were always blah blah. You know, just like reminiscing about stuff. And there, I've noticed a big theme with them where they're just like they call me Anne, but like Anne in your mouth, like you, you know, and just like this idea of like, you just always just say it like it is like, I guess I never even realized that they noticed that about me. And that was always like a defining feature and that they always thought like that they, they're, they're saying they love that. They're like, I don't ever change that. We love that about you. <laughs> but, so that's a big difference between you and but me. I, but the Delso gets, you know, I put my foot in my mouth. Well, right. So. The difference is you are not at a loss for words, even if they aren't the words that yeah. you want <laughs> yeah. or mean to have come out. Mm -hmm. You are never at a loss for words where for me, I get tripped up when I'm feeling a little bit, I, you know, I feel a little defensive or I feel like I can't articulate something. And I feel like in my own, I, I, in my own head, I get tripped up on that. Hmm. And so in this space, especially where it's a personal connection and we're just doing this for ourselves and you know it's it's fun so i'm trying to get to the point where it's like it's also not stressful and it's enjoyable because it I, it, I mean i still get a little stressed out you about do, it you 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 mean you enjoy it so much i mean i'm not i'm not even like initiating these all the time like you're like let's go record something right. let's do a podcast today no i know but, but the reason i want to do that is because i'm like okay i I want to get past this own, I don't know if it's a mental block, but this block that I have to be able to just be comfortable with who I am, saying what I say. It might not always be the perfect thing, but not getting tripped up in my head that I can't get the words out right or something else or I'm second guessing myself or, you know. And so this is a good, this is a good place to do this. Okay. Because I think if it's just a conversation between you and me, it's really easy to bow out of that or not have to pursue it. And I feel like when we sit here and we record our conversation with each other, um, it forces me to lean into that. Okay. Like even if it's, even if I'm feeling a little bit of, and again, when I say uncomfortable, I'm not talking that there's a, a subject that we've talked about that, oh, I'm not comfortable talking about that. That That's not the case. And again, it's my own confidence around speaking and putting this into the you know okay well if it makes you feel any better interwebs. as you're describing the pro like some of the things that you face about putting together ideas in your head out into you know verbal form i have the same issues maybe i guess i agree with you i'm not necessarily at a loss for words but i also like I want to be able to state things as concisely as possible. Mm -hmm. And I feel, I fail miserably at that all the time. I, what I have found is that I'm so much more self-conscious listening to other podcasts. And again, nobody listens to our podcast, so it doesn't matter. But when I listen to 
you know, big podcasts like Dax and um, mm-hmm. even listening to the um, <clears throat> the other one that we just, the personality hacker stuff, mm-hmm. talking about this subject and, you know, the way Dax talks is talks in articulate something and put something out there, mm. you know, or his guests or whatever the case is. Okay. I find myself like, damn it. <laughs> like okay. how, how easy does that sound just to, you know, come out there. And I, I will say I like the smartless podcast. Yeah. It's more That's of a, a you know, they shoot the shit more. They have yeah. their guests on, but it's more banter back and forth. Right. And some of the things that they, they'll make fun of each other for like, that was a stupid question yeah. or why'd you do that? But yeah, I, I, I can read. I like that one to kind of go back to sometimes to be like, okay, it's a little bit more, you know, unrefined in that way. Yeah, and there's never, there's not usually, there's not really usually a great substance to anything they're talking about. It's just laughing, right? Whereas right. armchair expert, there's a lot of substance to that. Those there is, those interviews. and I get very jealous of <laughs> the no, conversations that I'm like, good, why don't so I sound like that? Come on, experts. And I know we I don't know. even have that. Yeah, we don't necessarily have. You don't really have the stage or the platform for that, though, because we are just kind of bantering back and forth. So no, but again, my but you're not a storyteller. I mean, I think no. that's fair to say. But you're. I mean, I don't think you're wired to be a storyteller. That's that's okay. Like your that your purpose is doing other things. Your talents and strengths are in other things. Well, at work, I'm not at a loss for words and so when i'm talking about things at work and a lot of times it might just be adding little short you know quips to a conversation maybe you know whether it's lightening it up or yeah. doing something like joking because yeah. i work with people that i'm close with and have you know somewhat semi-professional personal relationships with yeah. um you know but i when i'm talking about that stuff that i guess that's my point coming back to this is we're talking about different things. Mm-hmm. And, and in this space, when it comes to relationships or just, you know, being vulnerable, whatever it is in, the, in a normal personal setting, normal conversation. Yes, because you're, I, I mean, don't you think, though, that that has to do with, I mean, you're talking about strategy and logistics and planning that's my jam. and problem solving type things. And um, yeah, that's not storytelling. Storytelling right. is like, holding somebody's story, you know, it's, it's making meaning of something in a different way. Yeah, than it, and I than, suck at that. <laughs> but that's, but that's okay. You can lean into it and build that muscle. That's, that, just like that I was, can build some other muscles. That was why I just, I wanted to, <laughs> and again, it was a total shift over what we started with here, but I so, just felt the need to. So I have a question for you then. Yeah. How does, how has it felt then so far doing this? I mean, I know I've joked about this, but let's be honest. In the beginning, I you were like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And it was mm-hmm. to me, it just felt very much like, again, sort of coy. Like I mentioned the first time we recorded, I could tell that it was something that you were interested in. Um, probably would never have taken the lead on. But then we started doing it. And um, it was kind of like you seem to be getting kind of excited, like really enjoying yourself and like really enjoying yourself. Like, you know, and I joked again, like you would research different things about podcasting. You had mm-hmm. upgraded the equipment. Um, where are you at with this now? Like truly, like, are you, do you regret this? Do you like it? Do you, what are your thoughts? No, I like it. I, uh, and one of the reasons why I want to keep coming back and doing it again is to get better at, just having the conversation with you about random things. I shouldn't worry about this because it doesn't really matter, but I do worry about this, that like when we've talked, we run on it. What are we going to talk about? Like, like tonight I just said, you know what? It's a little bit of an escape and mm-hmm. who care? We're going to, we're going to sit up, you know, come up here, hit record. We're going to talk mm-hmm. and we might have like, this smallest little thing that is a 30 second conversation that we could talk about and let's just see where it goes. And if it sucks at the end of it, or if in 20 minutes in, we're like, we're just not feeling it. Which we'll we turn say it off. every time. And then we I end know. up posting. Are we? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm getting to be more comfortable with it. And I, for, I, I know with our relationship, um, how different we are. I'm getting more comfortable 
which is so weird because again, we've been, we just celebrated eight years of marriage. We've been together for almost 10 years. And in the last month of this, she's, I, you know, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I, I'm getting more comfortable with. Wait, what's the date? <gasps> it's our one month podcast anniversary. We recorded for the first time on December 25th and it's January oh, we did? 25th. That's right. It was the 25th. <laughs> Happy one month uh, <laughs> yeah. podcast anniversary. Yeah. Anyway, um, I, within our, with our relationship, I think that this, I don't want to say it's been eye opening, but it's been really nice to be able to have the conversation in this way and then carry that outside of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. You know what I mean? Because I sent, I, when we, when we both get a little flustered with each other and get a little triggered and are talking at each other mm-hmm. and not to each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can tell the difference. This has helped kind of slow that down a little bit mm-hmm. and help me, which it's it's like it's right in front of you the whole time, but recognize that more in the moment if we're in that state. What do you mean? Like if we're starting to, if, if I'm getting frustrated out, outside of the podcast, you say something to me, I'm getting frustrated. I'm like, you know, that's stupid. Calm down, whatever the case is. And you, then that makes you feel like, you know, I'm not validating you. I think that this conversation and the way that we've handled the back and forth and you interrupt me a lot in this podcast and I've made interrupt you a lot in life. I know. So that's my point. I don't know if you've noticed this, but when you interrupt me, I've tried to do a really good job. There's been a couple of times where I'm like, will you shut up and let me talk? But for the most part, it's like, I let you talk and finish your thought. That's important for you to do that. I also interrupt you less on the podcast than I do in real life. So have you thought about that? I guess I've given that more space for you to do that and not get, that triggers me sometimes. No, I'm saying I, I also let you, I, I, I'm forced to not interrupt as much here. That's true. Like that it, is true. Yeah, we're, we're right. both we're both forced to slow down and listen to each <laughs> right. other. That's, that's my that's whole all point. That's happening. my whole point to all and of really this reflect is, on things too. Yeah. You know, we're listening to ourselves even more too. Like we're everything is just at a slower pace. That's that is key right there. Okay, that is sounds like such a stupid thing, but that is key. Is we're forced to listen to ourselves, mm-hmm. and that has an impact outside of this mm-hmm. in how, our relationship. How is that for you? Um can be hard sometimes no you said that what do you mean that can be hard um to to then all of a sudden realize oh i sound this way when i'm talking like this i sound this is the way i'm coming across to you Mm. i don't because you know you'll say you're being defensive you're being this whatever the case is and i'm like oh yeah i've I've heard myself be that i can Mm. feel that Mm. i can see that Mm -hmm. where in the past i might be I'm not doing that. I'm I'm not, <laughs> which is a defensive thing to do, but yeah. I'm more in tune to that because I've heard myself sound a certain way and mm-hmm. respond a certain way. And I'm like, I kind of sounded like a dick there, or this came across this mm. way. And we have a back and forth. Mm-hmm. You know what's going on. I know what's going on. But at the same time, I don't take the time, you know, it helps me take the time outside of this to really hear myself. I am sounding like this right now. Oh, you I am shared this with me. I know. Well, okay. <laughs> a little self-discovery through this process. Okay. Um, yeah, because a big thing that... Do you agree I, with that yeah, or no? I, Yes, and I was going to take share my similar story, but yeah, because like even I'll say to you, you're being defensive. And then you go, I'm not being defensive. And I'm like, that's a defensive response. Uh-huh. And then you're like, it's not. And then it's just like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, yeah. And for me, like, my, I feel like, you know, I tend to, we've talked about this before, but if we're going to talk about these four horsemen, they're called the four horsemen of the apocalypse mm-hmm. that the Gottmans, they're the relationship guru, gurus of the world, have identified that are present in all relationships. And when they're too present, that's, you know, they say that's disaster zone and like you need, mm-hmm. you need help. And there's ways to help. But it's this idea of like in conflict, people, t- there's four things that exist. And I think I've talked about this before. Um, but the two major ones 
then people tend to gravitate towards one to the, for the other. Mine is criticism and blame, and yours is defensiveness, defensiveness and, and denial. Yeah, stonewalling is the next level. That's yeah. the so, next level. Yeah. Of, so yeah. the next level of mine is contempt. But there, the antidotes to those are for a person that gets defensive is to work on not responding defensively and taking responsibility for anything they could possibly take responsibility for, even if it's just micro responsibility. You know, it's just taking these steps towards that. And then for the person that resorts to criticism and blame, their goal is to work on soft startup. And mm-hmm. I just think that in this platform here, I know there's a, potentially an audience. And so I'm policing myself more, you know, and you're, I'm forced to not act on my impulses. So if we talk about something. Are you policing your impulses? Okay. Um, I like the puh. I think it's great. Oh, As soon as it <laughs> drives me crazy. Um, <laughs> I love that sound. <laughs> Anyways, um, I it forces me to really try to be much more responsible with what comes out of my mouth so that nothing and reducing and minimizing anything that feels like criticism towards mm-hmm. you or blaming you. Of course, it's not a hundred percent, but certainly that also you, I, I think you hear me more, right? Like you're not hearing criticism and blame coming out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. If we're talking about something, you hear what I'm saying, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I, I, I very much i wholeheartedly agree with that and like i said i you know where this goes from here Mm -hmm. and how we build this and develop this because you know not that i don't want there to be a focus i think that that i don't want this to be some scripted thing and it's yeah it's truly an audio diary i mean really i don't it could end it could end next week i don't know yeah you know i was talking to my therapist about it and i was like you know it feels in, in, in aligned with what I just sort of said and that same theme. It feels like it's like kind of healing in a way to be able to talk about things. It's not like journaling. Like mm-hmm. if I was journaling, I don't necessarily need to be very, first of all, that's, there's, that's just me in the book, right? It's not, I'm not, there's no exchange here. And there's also no audience that I need to sort of slow down and like really be intentional about when I'm speaking. So there's this whole thing that occurs with this. And I'm like, I see why people write books, you know, like some people write books Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, you know, some people write books that aren't helpful because they just end up blaming every, you know, it becomes a blame criticism book. But when people are, you know, the real good ones, the real good memoirs that like, that's, I think that our healing processes, like that's what's happening. Yeah. And I, I'm the same as you. I having a journal or a diary and actually writing, it just feels forced. I've never done it long enough to get to a point where I, I feel like I'm actually, um, opening up about anything. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah. there's a little bit of accountability in here, and yet we can do it with each other in a way. It's it's a safe space to do it, but it's also like I don't want to filter the things I say. I might filter some details about it, but it's it truly is in the moment what you're thinking Mm -hmm. and it's not there's no opportunity to like well i gotta i gotta think about this and i have to do this so it really does take away that um over processing where you start leaving things out or ignoring certain um for example if i have if i have something that i don't want to if i have a topic i don't want to talk about we're not going to say we're going to we're not going to put it out there for the world but I'm, I don't have an opportunity to be so measured in my words and formulate like this thought so that it comes out a certain way. Here? Yeah. That's so interesting because then I, what I'm arguing though is that I, it does force me to be measured and process and be intentional and keep my content about what the, my, the intention behind my contact, content is because I could easily trail off and get – again, it forces me to stay focused on me and not other people, um, it forces me. And again, we don't always, our topics aren't always discussions that require any of this, but it forces me to just sort of, again, be really 
peel back the layers. What is it that my intentions are? What are my feelings around this? It, you know, like, what is it? What is it about me? Like, what what's coming up for me here? Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, I, I'm screwing that up. But so for me, it's like, yeah, if I was journaling, I would sit there and be like, this person and this person and there would be like anger or what or if I'm you know if I'm journaling about some feelings that I'm having but or it could be like about gratitude or whatever but it's for me it's I have that opposite problem (laughs) where I might tend to cling to something and not force myself to slow down and be like no what's this really about whereas when you have an audience you are forced to say no what is this really about Question Sorry, for you. I went off there. <laughs> nope. On that same subject, in that same vein, because maybe there's a little bit of a difference here. And, and for me, I haven't journaled enough to speak with any authority on proper way to journal or anything else. There's However, no, there's no proper way to journal. Okay. I, I, what I'm saying here is my experience with writing typically is writing a paper for school or something like that. So mm-hmm. this is my question to you because I do think this is. A little bit related. Mm-hmm. When I would write a paper, mm-hmm. I would sit there and think about, okay, what, how, mm-hmm. how do I want this sentence? And then I would write the sentence. Yeah. And not that I will never change it, but when I'm writing, I'm writing for final draft. I'm not yeah. writing for first, second, third draft where I'm, I'm, I'm going back and editing as I go. Yeah. And again, I mean, there's bigger papers in college where they might have required more editing, but for mm-hmm. the most part. As I'm writing it, mm-hmm. that's what it is. Yeah. And so I guess that when I say that this, the opportunity here is, you know, I don't have time to sit yeah, in my head and spend sense. five minutes before I put something yeah. out there. I'm responding to a question or a conversation yeah. or a topic and it's in real time and yeah. I'm saying it and it's also going out into, yeah. again, that makes sense. the interweb. So mm-hmm. I'm cautious a little bit about, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to divulge things I don't want to divulge mm-hmm. that are, mm-hmm. but at the same time. Yeah, it's you're more genuine than maybe in your convert and what you say. Yeah, it's a little less. There's a little less opportunity for polish in yeah. scripting and yeah. you know coming saying you know something a certain way that you know maybe make I don't want to say makes me look better, but just kind of mm-hmm. shines a light a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, that makes perfect sense. So I mean, when so when you've journaled or you've written, like mm-hmm. I think that was my problem when I tried to journal. I don't know what to say. And I'm yeah. like, I have to say something that actually says something. So I'm already processing it in my head. And they, I know they just say, you should just start writing. Whatever is like I stream know. of conscience. You know, yeah. And it's, I can never do that. Yeah. I think the reason why I never like that is because I'm impatient. So it's like I'm thinking faster than I'm writing. And it's just to me, I get frustrated. Mm. Um, it would be nicer. I, I joke. I'm like, I could do bullet points. Like, <laughs> but don't make me write out a whole sentence. Um but I, I think I had the same problem. Like I've never, I've always been pretty, I would say, a pretty terrible writer. And like in school, definitely like English and writing were probably the areas I got the worst grades in. Um, but, and I remember like having my dad like help write, even like, I mean, this, like my papers in school, like having, I'm like, because I just had no patience for it. And I think the same thing like oh, you, where it was like, I need... The, Thank God for my mom. <laughs> I need these to be worded like a certain way. And so, but then also there's not wanting to expend any energy on it. So I feel like I would just like write these fragments out and be like, here, dad, make this make sense and look pretty. Mm-hmm. And then something occurred to me one day where I was like, actually, you could actually just write like you're in a conversation like that and then go back and tweak it later. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm still not a good writer, but I I remember like writing, I don't know if I wrote a paper or like a cover letter for a job or something. And I sent it to my dad for review because that's what he did for me all the way through <laughs> um, for lots of years into my 20s. And I remember him sending writing back and he was like, well, I see you finally figured out how to write. <laughs> You're like, that's it? It was just like this huge transition. Like all of a sudden something clicked. Huh. And I think it's funny because, you know, I think that's a lot of what writers will say. I, don't, I, I feel like I hear a lot of that now where it's just like some of the greatest writers were never even, didn't even go to school or have, have really mm-hmm. great credentials in it. They just sort of it's art, right? It's just, it's just speaking from your heart or writing from your heart. And so 
everybody's going to do that differently. Like I prefer plain language. I don't yeah. like to make anything extra pretty or doily or, you know, flower language up. I just, and, and I think that always was intimidating to me because I was like, no, it has to be that way. But then when I realized, no, that's not me though. And then I just write the well, way just... that I speak, then it's, it looks a lot better. And actually, you know, it's funny because Katie, I mean, I, I'm biased, but like, I started reading some of her things a few years ago and I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. I did not have this ability when I was your age. Like, and I've even read some of the boys stuff. Like it just flowed so well. The level of detail she thought to put in each sentence or in between sentences never would have occurred to me at this age. And I remember I did ask her te- her English teacher this year. I'm like, is she a good writer? Or is that like just me? And he was like, no, yeah, she, well, he goes, he said, yeah, she is. But he said, the thing about her writing is it's conversational. And I was like, yes, that's mm-hmm. it. It feels so natural. And I'm yes. like, I'm captivated by it. Like, I'm like, oh, what's the story? I mean, she's right. and she's a pretty good storyteller. So yeah. I was like, I never, you know, I was impressed. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, you're, I mean, you're right. You can sit there and read through and you're like, next, next, next. And it is, it's just like, you're immediately drawn in because it just feels like you're, you're reading this experience or this, you know, this, you're reading this conversation and it, I, I'm not good at that. Yeah. Which is probably explains why I can't have a real conversation on a lot of things. Cause <laughs> yeah. So practicing, just saying what, what's coming up. Yeah. That's like how you work that muscle. Yes. Which is again, I think it's one of my weaknesses, which is why I'm agreeable to this and actually have gotten to a point where I, you know, I don't love it yet, but I, really? I enjoy it. You don't love it? I don't love it because I'm, I, it's totally, I'm self-critical. Okay. That's it. That's what, okay. But I also think it's kind of interesting that you're like, the only reason why I'm doing this is so I get better at this weakness. Well, first of all, I, no, 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 that sounds not, harsh. I don't know that you have a weakness. That's not the also only... <laughs> like, really? That's, you're, this is what this is about? This is boot camp for you? No, that's, <laughs> that's not the only reason, but I think that's why I've been so inclined to come back again and again and again within a short period of time to do it because it's not just the conversation. I feel like uh, in, there's more there's more to it. Yes, it, it's it's the back and forth between us, what it does for our relationship. It also makes me feel like I'm you know, getting a little bit better in this area, which again helps in my relationship with you and relationship with others. And it, there's, there's so much to this that applies and again, it's for self growth. It's it's for my own growth too, you know. Well, but it's also just because I enjoy it because enjoying, I'm with you. Yeah, but no, I mean, okay. Is there a chance that you're actually enjoying having the opportunity to talk about yourself, and you just don't want to admit that? Maybe. Yeah, uh, I feel like it is because all the reasons you're yeah. giving, you're like, I'm okay. doing it for other reasons and for no, you, okay. or I'm fair. doing it to build this muscle that I, or, you know, strengthen myself. <laughs> but it's like, are you sure that that, I enjoy that sounds it. very altruistic? I enjoy it. <laughs> and I'm also very self-conscious about it. Yeah. So you're right. You, you know, you asked me, what's your strength? And I have such a hard time really talking about that and feeling like I'm just being completely genuine about a lot of that stuff because i get very much like oh, that sounds arrogant that it feels that way to me so you're right talking about myself feels like it's narcissistic it's arrogant it's and just, it's just funny because like and or or i'm self-conscious about that this is sounds i sound stupid you know okay because i mean you realize if anyone's at risk of being accused of narcissism it's not going to be you like you're last in line if if everybody had to get in line if everybody in the world had to get in line <laughs> you would be the last even in that line okay. like well that's uh, good to know but like you have to know that like that i think that's a unanimous assessment i think anybody would say that about you and also they wouldn't say that about me do you so do you think that do you like are you do you think that i my motivations are narcissistic then because I, I feel like basically if you're saying that yours are then you're definitely saying i am so thanks for the judgment <laughs> dick <laughs> <laughs> i which is funny because i actually don't i know they're not and i don't think they are for you um okay so do you see how I, that doesn't add, I know. your math doesn't add up there I do get like if I, you're telling the truth your math doesn't add I up i do there. and i no i i will i will be completely transparent or, or open that that is not a rational way to think about it or view it 
or it, you know, it's not rational at all. It doesn't make sense for so me to say, well, it? I feel narcissistic, yeah. but you're not because I can instinctively know it's not narcissistic to have the conversation to talk about it. And okay. yet, but maybe, maybe not. Maybe you do think that I am. And maybe I don't think you're narcissistic. No, I think sometimes you, uh, you, you could like, you know, let me add something sometimes, but so, yeah. Okay. Then well, there's plenty of other times where I'm like, please keep going. Cause I don't want to right now. Okay. Well, just this idea of wanting to do a podcast, you could potentially see me see that as narcissistic. I think anybody, if somebody really wanted to, they could make the argument that that it, you're only doing it because you're narcissistic. And yeah, and, but, I think yeah, so, that's, I think that's like debating whether or not altruism exists. Right. So also, everybody has some narcissism yeah. in them. So yeah. that's just a reality. Like nobody escapes. Yeah. That. So I guess what am I so what am I so afraid of when it comes to that? Like. Um, worrying about being narcissistic or coming across that way or sounding arrogant. What I mean, it's a, I don't something. Know. What are something you that's about? something. You that's something I need to <laughs> explore. Yeah, because I mean, what what do you think a human would be worried about as it relates to that? Um, that do you think you are? I don't think I am. Okay. I don't think I am, but I th- uh, sometimes I. You said it before, but it's true. I can be very stubborn and set in my ways, and I can uh, push or potentially even manipulate for my to get my way. You know, in well, a that's subtle, what passive aggressiveness is right. And people pleasing is also a very manipulative yeah. gesture. Again. People will look at that as like, they like to wear that as a badge of honor. So, I'm a people pleaser. Okay, so you're telling me you're a manipulator. Yeah, so <laughs> so maybe all of that put together, um, I'm self-aware of some of that. Not all the time, but like sometimes I recognize that. And so I think that when I'm really feeling like I'm talking about myself, then it just that feeling comes up and I, I don't want to be that. I, mm-hmm. I, you that's, fear that. Yes, I, I fear that. I wonder why you fear that. Right. Like, where does that come from? Do you, yeah. I mean, I don't expect you to have an answer for that today. Yeah, no, I don't. And we don't, we we can just address that another time if we decide to, but. Things that we worry about, obviously, are areas for us to examine, you know, because there's just like we're areas that we, like, there's so much, there's so much richness there when it comes to like examining ourselves, like if you wanted to. Right. And like you said, what's wrong with talking about yourself and sharing? I mean, I don't have some super high uh, opinion of myself in a way that is, I mean, I think I'm, there's certain things I'm good at and I'm very open about there's, I wish I was better at a lot of things. Yeah, but, you have a lot of humility. You know, I think I think I do. Yeah, so. I think that's one of your strengths. But anyway. Um, yeah. For some reason, you're very turned off by that characteristic, maybe, and you worry that that's something that you could catch, like a cold. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm even just in my head, and I would never put it out there anyway. Um, but I'm trying to think of like, well, who do I know that is like that? That really bothers me in that way, and you know, that makes me worry or see similarities that I go, okay, do it. Uh, maybe I have those tendencies or maybe I come across that way. Yeah. Um, and maybe it could be a little bit like when you encounter someone like that, you struggle in their presence. So, you know, like a narcissistic know, person maybe like, and I'm just speaking off the cuff here, but like they maybe tend to be somebody that walks into the room and takes up all the oxygen mm-hmm. and you may be somebody that has a hard time setting boundaries with somebody that takes up all the oxygen in the room so that you just don't want to ever be in that position. And so also you're very turned off by that. And so you also are like, I'm never going to be like that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny because I, uh, I'm just in my head. I'm, I'm that personality type. Like I see through it. And and sometimes those people that I feel like that are narcissistic, Mm -hmm. They do take up all the air in the room, and a lot of times they get attention from a lot of people. Yeah, and it, that bothers me because not that I want all the attention, but it's mm-hmm. like, why are you giving that person's a dick? Mm-hmm. Why are you giving them all the attention? And mm-hmm. you know, and maybe mm-hmm. that's you know, mm. maybe that's because I never grew up as like a macho 
you know, tough guy mm-hmm. or anything else. And so I never felt like I had that attention. Mm-hmm. And so maybe I'm just yeah naturally a little bit more okay. like. I mean, I think that. I think, I don't know that we're still saying this. At one point when I was in graduate school and we were learning about the DSM and the diagnoses, the DSM is the Diagnostic Statistical Manual for the American Psychological Association and Psychiatric Association to diagnose mental health disorders. Um, We used to say that personality disorder, so narcissistic personality disorder, you know, Again, everybody has narcissism in them. It's when it crosses a line that it mm-hmm. becomes a personality disorder. But historically, personality disorders weren't diagnosed unless a, one of a defining characteristic of a personality disorder was a person that lacked insight into their own characteristics. So, like a narcissist right. wouldn't even know they were a narcissist. Right. They would never worry about being a narcissist. So, if you're when you know you're worried about, oh, I'm, I'm, do I sound like a narcissist? That's the first sign that you're not a narcissist. So. Just take that for what it is. I, you know, we throw around these terms all the time now. It's my personal pet peeve. Like people like I have this, I have that. Well, everybody has some degree of it. Not everybody has a clinical diagnosis. You know, again, it's just, it's my little thing that bothers me. But um, just consider that too. Okay. If you are ever questioning whether yeah. or not you're narcissist, I don't, you I, know that you're I not. I don't think I am, but I just, <laughs> that be, that characteristic trait just... Yeah, it gets under my skin like yeah. no other. Okay. And you're right, because I'm a people pleaser, I don't typically say anything about it. And so maybe that's why it just eats me more. Like I don't not that you have to face it or address, but yeah, sometimes it's, it's like it's just how you it's just how you respond to it. Like yes. it's if it impacts your sense of self worth and yeah. you know what I mean. But um, that's another conversation for another day. Maybe we could go. Yeah, that's we should a, that's probably a, that's wrap this one. up just because we've Yes. There's some um, creature in here that is looking for some attention. Yes, I think people need homework help. So, <laughs> alrighty. Love you. Love you.